0: Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Sex Football. And we've got a special guest this week. We're joined today by Alexis Cubit. Alexis, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Shahan. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So Alexis is a sports reporter over in Plainview, Texas. Yep. And that's because we're out here today in Lubbock, you, at where are we today? Jones AT&T Stadium. Jones, oh, yes. I almost at United Supermarkets. I don't
1: uh, know. <laughs> <but> <laughs> You're already ahead of uh, oh, basketball. Man, oh man! man!
0: Uh, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we're out here at Jones AT&T Stadium. Out here in Lubbock, Texas. This is actually my first trip to Lubbock. It's been a, it's been a good time. Fortunately, not as quite as good a time for Texas Tech today. Right. They go down in the first half, uh, twenty-eight to seven, or thirty-five to seven. Actually, 35. at the half really struggled to fight back. It ends up being close. They end up having a chance right there at the end. They eventually fall 42 to 34 to number 12, West Virginia. This was the first game in a while, uh, with Texas tech as a ranked team mm-hmm. at home in Lubbock. Uh, it's been, what, I think probably since 2013, I think that they played one game on the road, actually, I think against West Virginia last year mm-hmm. as a ranked team. But then since then, this is the first since 2013 at home. So right. really kind of a letdown game, uh, you know, it was an 11 o'clock start, that surely doesn't help. Mm. I, mean, I mean, what did you feel? Did you kind of feel like right from the start there was a little bit of an emotional letdown?
1: Yeah, you know, I felt like after the Oklahoma State game I think they were really pumped up and I thought it could go either way. You know, it could either be where they're going to use that and use it as motivation or they're going to kind of get maybe a little complacent because I remember talking to one player and he said, you know, we have to fight against that. And I said, you know, oh, yeah, how do you do that? And he goes, well, that's a million-dollar question. You know, so I felt like You know, it could go either way, whether, you know, they're going to come out strong. I mean, obviously, playing against Will Greer, you have to come out strong, and I think that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and and Greer had a tremendous first half. Yeah, he's
1: really good at football. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly. He had over 200 passing yards in the first quarter alone, two touchdowns, ends the half with, I think it was like 279 yards, three touchdowns, finishes the game, 27 for 41, 370 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and really... If you watch the game, I mean, he had a lot of drops. Yeah. A lot of those incompletions were not his fault. Right. This, in a lot of ways, should have not even been this close a ball game. Right. And I will say, you know, Texas Tech's defense did button down in the second half. They Absolutely. allowed zero offensive points in the second half. Right. The only points come on a pick, pick six. six. Yep. But it was just too little too late. I mean, what do you think is wrong? Why do you think that Texas Tech, because, again, against Ole Miss... Obviously, it's a little bit more understandable. Obviously, sure. when you lose your when you lose your starting quarterback and All have right. to thrust a, a true freshman. But against Ole Miss, against Oklahoma State, it really only comes together in the second half. Mm-hmm. And against this, t- uh, in this game, obviously against West Virginia, why do you think they're having so much trouble getting started right from the get go? You
1: know, I'm not sure. I guess if you want to, obviously, they're not going to make excuses for anything. But against Ole Miss, you could say, okay, they're missing Deshaun Johnson. Sure. You know, and then last week, you could say, okay, he was getting mm-hmm. adjusted. This week, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, you've got your players. What, What's really going on? They just kind of seemed out of out of place. Like, right. you saw where guys were just wide open just running down the field or where, you know, on credit to West Virginia's front, I mean, they were just kind of busting it wide open where they're just kind of going off. So, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where I think it comes down to just discipline and those intangibles as far as you can only coach so much, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to get your guys to get going.
0: Right. And – and Deshaun Johnson did talk about it after the game. Right. He said there's basically no excuses. Yeah, you know, there's no reason that they should have come out that flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they wake up at 6 a.m. every single morning to go to practice. It's not like... I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. For me, I, mean, <laughs> I always hate the, uh, the, 8, the 11 a.m. starts right. because <laughs> I'm a spoiled sports writer, so I don't have to go to work typically until, like, 10. Right. You know, because sports doesn't really happen in the morning. You yeah. have to stay up late. Right. And, uh, you know, so for me, the 11 a.m. starts... No when bueno. right. you know. You know, uh, waking up. At, I mean, I only have to wake up at seven thirty. It's not that crazy. I know yeah. that you had to drive here forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah,
1: and then after having high school football last night, Oof. so I'm running on fumes pretty much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it was a really exciting game down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the big story of the day, uh, Al Bowman, mm-hmm. gets hurt in the first tap. It, it looks like he gets crunched between two West Virginia defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, not the most forward with injury. In sure. Um It sure looked like it was ribs or chest or something like that. Um, you know, I guess the question right now is going to be, and, and Cliff said that they went off site for an evaluation. Right. It sounds like it's going to be either, well, not sounds like, it looks like it's going to be either broken ribs or just bruised ribs. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously going to make a big difference about when he's able to come back. Yeah. Because the good news is, Texas Tech does have a bye week this week. Right. They don't, don't have to play for another 12 days until mm-hmm. TCU next week. But but what did you see from Jet Duffy? I mean, this was the guy who a lot of Tech fans wanted to start to open the season.
1: Yeah, you know, and that was the, kind of the thing. I expected a little bit of nerves, honestly. But he just came out and he was just, like, throwing them. I mean, at mobile, just running down the, or the field, rather. So it's kind of one of those things where it was, I mean, if you were to watch the game, it didn't look like once he got in they were missing a beat. You know, he was finding the right guys. He was making the right reads. Um, I thought he did a really good job. It was just kind of like everybody's been saying, too little, too late. You know, you can't have that kind of a start against a team like West Virginia. And you would think they'd know that after playing against Oklahoma State last week in Stillwater, mind you. Um, But, you know, kind of – I think everything pretty much boils down to just start better. But as far as Jet goes, I mean, I – admittedly hadn't seen that much of him obviously but I really liked what I saw from him and I understand now why the quarterback uh, starting position was so kind of up in the air because you've got three really good guys you know I mean Allen for what he did I mean when he was in you know it took him a little bit but when he got rolling he got rolling so I think that once everybody's healthy they're gonna definitely have some good depth for sure
0: well, Dave Campbell's, obviously, it's very familiar with him because back in 2015, Jet Duffy actually won Mr. Texas Football as the best okay. overall player in the state. So this is a guy who's very talented. Yeah. That was never in question. Mm-hmm. There were a number of other questions with him, of course. You know, There's some off-the-field issues which have been well-documented. Um, but then on top of that, there's questions about how well he knows the offense. There's questions about turnovers. We really mm-hmm. saw that come to fruition, right?
1: Yes. You know,
0: at the end of the first half, he throws a... Pretty bad interception. Luckily, West Virginia just decides to kneel it and go into the half. Right. In the second half,
1: Texas Tech has
0: the ball. They're down one score. They again, if they drive down the field, score a touchdown, go for the two-point conversion, they could tie the ball game.
1: With the way that it was going, it looked like that was going to happen. To be honest with you, I mean, Antoine Wesley had some crazy catches. So I think if you throw it in his direction, he probably pretty much would have caught it. So for that one. That was obviously a momentum killer. That was pretty much what sealed the fate of the game.
0: Yeah, and again, it ends up being a pick six, pushes the the lead out to Mm 42-27 for West Virginia. Texas Tech does eventually get into the end zone. Right. Um, Again, 42-34 is the final out of Lubbock, but it's too little too late. Right. And it just feels like we've seen this so many times from Cliff Kingsbury's teams, right? They'll have this great game, and they just struggle to follow it up
1: yeah that consistency is just kind of lacking and it it kind of goes from the top down you know and I think they understand that because I think what coach Kingsbury was talking about you know he took it on him and I mean if you're in a position of leadership that's what you kind of have to do but at some point you kind of have to say okay you know we have different guys this is still happening what what do we do you know
0: yeah yeah and Again, there's talent on this roster. Mm -hmm. A lot of skill position players have really stepped up in a way that I don't know if I saw before the season, Mm -hmm. especially with TJ Basher, who's barely played. You Mm -hmm. know, their star wide receiver, really the only returning wide receiver almost on the whole roster in terms of production. Right. Um, Antoine Wesley's been a guy. JD on high has been a guy. Daquan Bowman's been a guy. Kashawn Carter's been a guy. And at running back, of course, with, with DeLeon Ward out yep. and with Trey King out for extended stretches, mm-hmm. Tazan Henry's been tremendous. Yep. And actually, I was a little surprised. I, I don't know how you felt about this, but I was a little surprised that they didn't try to establish the running game a little bit more.
1: Well, and that's kind of one of those things, because honestly, I'm not going to say that I'm not, you know, because obviously Tech's known for their passing, but I've kind of been a little bit sold on their running game, right. to be honest with you. I mean, they have, what is it, five guys you know, that they can use. Obviously now getting back DeLeon and Trey is going to be right, awesome. Yeah. But I really felt like, you know, you get those guys running because DeLeon had some good runs. I mean, Trey had, what was it, an 11-yard run at one point. Yeah. Um, I would have gone for it, to be honest with you, especially with even though Jet did as well as he did, with somebody coming in like that, you go to your run game, you know, because even though, like, the um, offensive line didn't wasn't satisfied with their performance, I mean, you keep trying because with what they did do, I mean, Jet ran. He had, like, two running touchdowns. He had 86
0: yards rushing. Yeah. You know, and and the play of the game, again, it doesn't uh, unfortunately end up mattering. Right. But it's third and long, or was it fourth? I can't remember if it was third or fourth. It was fourth. It was fourth, and he breaks the way back to, he has to get a first down. He's he's done. I mean, there are two defenders right there. About to crush him. Yeah. He slips through both of them. Mm-hmm. Keeps running. Goes from the 37 to the to 10. The, yeah. And unfortunately, they're not able to punch it in. And again, we talked about this too little, too late.
1: Mm-hmm. If they punch
0: that in, it changes the complexion of the game. If right. it's a touchdown instead of a field goal. Kicking the field goal was the right decision. It, it yeah. made it a two-score game. Yeah. But...
1: You don't want to risk too much in those type of situations, I feel like. Right, you know, because yeah. it, it could have... I mean, with what happened with Jack, you don't want to risk that. So I think... Obviously, going for the field goal made it a closer game, and I don't like to play what-ifs, so we'll just go ahead and say, like, good decision <laughs> on the, the field goal.
0: Right, right. Well, let's just talk, obviously, this is a Texas football podcast, but, but West Virginia, they looked pretty dang impressive. Yeah. And it wasn't just their offense. Their offense played really, really well, um, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. Now, in the second half, again, they go and they go over Mm-hmm. But I really liked what West Virginia's defensive coordinator Tony uh, Tony Gibson was able to do. He really did a good job of Mm -hmm. bringing a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Especially considering that Texas Tech has two very young quarterbacks: Alan Bowman, a true freshman; Jet Duffy, a redshirt sophomore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, both these guys haven't played a whole lot of football at this level before.
1: Right.
0: It really seemed like Tony Gibson decided, "I'm going to dial it up. I'm going to make you guys beat me." And for the most part, at least, again, through that first half, mm-hmm. Texas Tech, Tech really struggled to do that.
1: Right, and that's the thing, too. You know, they can say, you know, we started out flat, but you have to give credit where it's due. West Virginia had a really good defense, even with uh, Norwood, who had an early exit. Yes. Uh, I yes. mean, just just a beast out there, you know. Right. They were not giving anything up. They did not care where they were. They came out here and... I mean, it's West Virginia. There's a reason why they're ranked 12. you know? Right. It's not just because of their offense. You have a complete team there. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, before the season, I actually picked West Virginia to go to the Big 12 title game. Mm. And so far, so good. It <laughs> they, they looks pretty impressive. <laughs> You're on a roll. So, I'm <laughs> on a roll so far. Um, I still don't quite know what to think about Texas Tech right now because you've had this great performance against mm-hmm. an Oklahoma State team who I don't think is actually very good. Now, the, the thing, though, is even when Oklahoma State's not very good, they win in Stillwater. Right. They win in Stillwater, and they don't get blown out. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that they just don't do. And, granted, they haven't looked especially good against Kansas this week, They but Boise State's a good team. Mm-hmm. Boise State's legitimately a good team, one that we know is a good team, Yeah. and they were able to take it to them. So, where is Texas Tech, Tech in the grand scheme of things? Because... I think it's very clear that they're not top-tier sure you know they're not Oklahoma they're not I don't know if you want to put Texas in that group right now but they're not West Virginia yeah but the middle class of the Big 12 is pretty big mm-hmm. I mean where do you kind of see them right now
1: yeah I would say I think they have huge potential But it would be up to them to tap into that potential. Right. Um, I definitely, starting the year, did not see them beating Oklahoma State. Right. I, you know, kind of figured they would probably struggle a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'd say probably middle of the road, um, not going to be in the Big 12 championship game, I don't think. But I think that they have the talent to do it. I think they have the potential to do it. It's just like I said, it's honestly going to be up to them to decide, you know, Okay, all four quarters, the whole season.
0: Right. Well, just looking ahead to their schedule a little bit. So Texas Tech goes to TCU in Fort Worth. That's going to be tough. That's a tough test. TCU's got a very good defense. They Mm -hmm. force a lot of turnovers. We don't know. Obviously, he's going to be starting between Alan Bowman, Jet Duffy, McClain Carter even. He might be back. He might be back. Obviously... Carter was dealing with a high ankle sprain. They've been very cautious with him, but obviously it's very much hush hush. It's been it's a lot easier to be cautious when you have a quarterback like Alan Bowman. Absolutely. Obviously. And and so they go to Fort Worth. Then they play Kansas at home on the twentieth. So very winnable game. To Iowa State, that's kind of a tough test. Uh, going on the road to play Iowa State. Mm-hmm. They host Oklahoma. They get them at home. They get Texas at home the next week. They go to Kansas State, which not look like a very good football team right now. <laughs> and then they play Baylor at the end of the year in, in the shootout game right. in Arlington. So you look at that schedule, right? I, I think TCU is a very difficult game. Yeah. I think at Iowa State is a very difficult game just mm-hmm. because you're going on the road. And again, we still don't know who's going to be under center for that game, of course. Right. Getting Oklahoma and Texas at home is a huge blessing, I think. Now, yeah. granted, that home field advantage...
1: It Didn't, only goes so
0: far, right? And I, I really hated that this was—I <laughs> really hated that this was a morning game because <laughs> Lubbock, Texas Tech versus West Virginia, two incredibly rowdy fan bases. It, it's like you—it's like you don't even want to get them going. right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't give them the chance to tailgate all day. You gotta you'd make wanna, them tailgate at eight a.m.
1: Right? You'd want to have it a little more at a more uh, what do you call it? Premier kind right. of time. Right. I mean,
0: even if it's two thirty, I mean, because. Here was the thing. After the first quarter, first of all, a lot of people gave up on the game, but a lot of people started to leave after halftime. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they did miss out. They missed out on a pretty dang good yeah, second absolutely. half. absolutely. But that sort of stuff happens when you have a morning game. And you're like, right. well, maybe I can, you know, make use of the rest of my day. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then um, the other thing that happens is when you play, uh, when you play at 11, it just – everybody's still kind of waking up, right? The players – I don't think that should be a concern because again, they're up at 6 a.m. every right. day. But for the fans, there is a certain level of that, right? Yeah. Where I- if you if you come out here at 11 and then your team gets punched in the face, you're just kind of like, ah, whatever.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I will say they showed up in pretty yeah. big packs. Right. You know. Right. So it was that a good is crowd. a credit. Yeah, that is a credit to you know the tech fan base right. as far as that goes. But um, yeah, it, it is disappointing <laughs> like, when you get up that early yeah. and your team doesn't yeah. perform right away. Um, like Coach Kingsbury talked about, you know, I don't blame fans for leaving. Sure. You know, as a coach, that's good for him to say. But for me, I don't think I would leave at halftime. Right. Maybe after the third quarter. <laughs> and
0: let's be clear, it was not hot outside. No,
1: no. It <laughs> that had a nice. A that's one of the nice things about West Texas. You always get that nice breeze. Right, right, So right. even if the sun yeah. is out, you'll be fine.
0: Well, again, 42 to 34, the final. But we do have to talk about the most important moment of the day. Two Texas Tech fans got married yes halftime
1: absolutely what? right so that was kind of one of the things they had told us um, was in our media guide earlier this week but I kind of it really slipped my mind and I wasn't thinking it was going to be like that you know but I'm if I'm not mistaken they were in the band at one point yeah that's what they had said yeah I you know that that's that's cute. <laughs> I it's not my particular. So, style, so you would
0: not agree to get married at halftime.
1: I would not get married at McLean Stadium at halftime. No, I, I posted that on Facebook. Actually, I was like, dear future husband, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get married during football season at all. <laughs> well,
0: well, actually, you know, let me let me go ahead and uh, and pull up. So I, I texted my girlfriend. I'm like, you know, well, you know. If we decide to get married, you know, well, what do you think? Should we, should, should we replicate this? Should we do it at halftime in the middle of an active football game? Uh, she sent me the like green sick emoji. So, yeah. And I said, Is that a yes? She's like, No, unless that's what you want. In that case, I need to rethink something. So I guess I won't be asking. But, uh, right. but that was, <laughs> I'll tell you what, one of the things that you gotta love about the state of Texas, they love their football. Out here.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> High I was school, waiting for um, college. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for like a football-shaped cake in the media <laughs> room. I mean, that would have just set it all off.
0: Oh man. Oh man. Well, it was it was a great atmosphere out here today. Uh, again, I mean, it's my first trip to West Texas, my yeah. first trip to Lubbock. I, I think it's been it's been a great time. Fortunately, they couldn't pull off a win. But um, is, is there any uh, is there any place in the area that I need to, to hit before I go?
1: Um. Well, I've been hearing a lot about Evie Mays. They yeah. have yeah. good barbecue.
0: I wanted to go. But they actually said that they... Basically, you have to go at 11. Oh. And they're closed on Sundays. Okay. So
1: So then I would say um, it's a pizza place. I believe it's called guy from Italy, or a guy from Italy or something like okay, that. Okay, okay. And then Red Zone Cafe has good breakfasts for tomorrow morning. Okay, so. okay,
0: sounds like a plan.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Alexis, how can, how can we keep track of you? How can we follow you on Twitter?
1: Okay, so I, I don't know if I said this before, but I'm the sports editor at the Plainview Herald, yeah, yeah. which is just up the road from Lubbock, so you can follow me at AC underscore Herald Sports, and uh, yeah, so AC underscore h e a Oh my gosh. I'm a writer and I can't spell. H E R A L D S P O R T S
0: Awesome. Well Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. And hey, just just a little bit behind the curtain, Alexis and I actually met on my first beat ever. Uh, Mine too. Back when I was so, both of us covered Baylor volleyball back Mm -hmm. in 2013. We were the only two people that covered volleyball at that point. Now apparently Baylor volleyball has decided to go and become good. Right. That was not what we covered. No, that
1: was not what we covered. (laughs) They're like ranked what uh, 12th or 13th. 13th I don't
0: know what they are now, but they they picked up a big win over the weekend. So, hey, well that's something. But uh, but Alexis. Always good to chat. Yeah. And when we come back after the break, we'll run through a couple more of the the day's games. Again, we're here at Jones AT&T Stadium. Everything's going on right now. We'll have to jump forward in time a little bit after the break. But, Alex, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys right after the break. We're back, everybody. And, oh, gosh. This week did not go quite as planned, I think it's fair to say. Several teams ended up losing bad games that they they maybe shouldn't have lost. Obviously, the, the headliner being UNT unfortunately falls on Mean Joe Green night to Louisiana Tech. That's a very disappointing loss. North Texas, to this point, was the only team in the state of Texas that really had a perfect resume. And that was winning their first four games, but that was also blowing basically every single team out. Mason Fine gets a little banged up in this game. Um, he still finishes with 296 yards and three touchdowns, but man, North Texas just makes some mistakes down the stretch. They get themselves into a bit of a hole heading into the half, and, and they can't recover. They can't recover, and Louisiana Tech is ultimately able to pull away. Kicker Cole Headland missed his first two field goals of the season down the stretch in the fourth quarter, and that's all she wrote. 29-27 is the final against Louisiana Tech. Very disappointing performance. Um... But again, Louisiana Tech's a very good program. They win nine games almost every single year. But North Texas has to come back and be ready after this because they knew going into this game that this is one of the most important ones on the schedule. They knew how important this one was. Obviously, you're wearing the throwback uniforms on Minjo Green night. Losing puts a damper on things. And the worst part is, this is the first Conference USA game. So North Texas 0-1 in Conference USA play after a week. So... We'll have to see how exactly Seth Luttrell's team responds heading into next week. And and next week, it's it's an easy battle. It's on the road against UTEP. Not not too difficult. But UNT has to recover. There's not a whole lot of tough games on the schedule. So they have to take care of business in all of them. Louisiana Tech's one of the toughest. Obviously, they host Florida Atlantic later in the season. Look, UNT is legit. We know that they're legit. They've proved it against some of the best teams in the country. Couldn't prove it on Saturday, now they have to regroup, get back on track, and there's every reason to believe that they'll do so, but what a disappointing performance, and what a disappointing loss. UNT was really the story of the year so far in the state of Texas, and they're still a great story, and they're going to be a great story, but uh, picking up an early loss in Conference USA play certainly puts a damper on things. They weren't the only team to look kind of unimpressive, though. Uh, Texas goes on the road to Kansas State. Now, granted, this is a place that Texas almost never wins. They haven't won in Manhattan since 2002, and that 2002 win was the only win in program history in Manhattan, Kansas. So, Texas does take care of business. They go up 19 0 at the half, but they score 0 points in the second half in a 19 14 win. Kansas State goes on a 14 0 run after inserting quarterback St- Skylar Thompson back into the game. There's some weirdness going on in Manhattan. I. I Kansas State's not very good this year. They really just are not very good this year. Bill Snyder, the head coach, uh, apparently makes a decision unilaterally that he's going to start Alex Delton on Saturday instead of Skylar Thompson. And Thompson hasn't played great the first couple of games, but Delton, very poor, 3-7, 14 yards, only 1.7 yards for carry against Texas's impressive rush defense. Uh, and, and, yeah, apparently Snyder almost went behind his assistants back to say... You're the starting quarterback. I don't care what my assistants say. So, a lot of weirdness there. Texas, again, a lot of shades of that Tulsa game. Playing really well in the first half, falling apart kind of in the second half. The effort just letting up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But again, it, Texas picks up a win. A win's a win. Um, and, and now Texas, Texas is 4-1, and one, heading into the Red River Showdown next weekend against the University of Oklahoma, who also one over the weekend against Baylor, and, and quickly moving over to that game, Baylor scores 33 points. The offense looks pretty impressive against Oklahoma's less than stellar defense, but the big play defense was just miserable. They allowed 66 points, they allowed 9 touchdowns, and they averaged 36 yards per touchdown. There were only 2 touchdowns that Oklahoma scored that were within 20 yards of the end zone. Every other one was a breakaway. And that's been Baylor's Achilles heel all season long. And even dating back to last season, it's a little bit discouraging to see that it's not changing. It's the same mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, offensively, again, they're they're making a lot of strides. They look more comfortable working out of different packages. Different receivers are are getting more comfortable catching the ball. Charlie Brewer looks fantastic. Uh, he's, he's a very, very impressive player. He finishes with 400 yards against Oklahoma, but he has to throw the ball 60 times because Baylor has the ball so much because Oklahoma's just scoring so dang quickly. Uh, and again, when you look at Kyler Murray's stat line, it's, it's in there, Same for that Baylor defense. 17 of 21 for 432 yards and six touchdowns. He adds another rushing touchdown on the ground. Seven touchdowns matches the Oklahoma program record. Mm. Baylor's still got a lot of work to do on defense. Of course, this was an expected loss going on the road to Norman, but maybe there's a lot of work to do. Another team that didn't look very good, TCU. TCU needs a late field goal from Jonathan Song to win 17-14 to over Iowa State at Amon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. This was almost a carbon copy of last season's game. Obviously, last season, TCU was a top-five team in the country, goes to Ames, Iowa, plays Iowa State, who just had picked up a crazy win over... Oklahoma, two weeks prior. Iowa State's able to hold on to the ball, do enough defensively, really hold TCU underwater. This is talking about last season, but that continues again this season. TCU only has seven offensive points in this whole football game. One of their touchdowns was a defensive touchdown off of an Iowa State mistake. And that's the one encouraging thing, is that TCU's defense played just outstanding football. Um, they, help, they hold quarterback Zeb Nolan for Iowa State to just 79 yards on 28 attempts. 2.8 yards per attempt. That's not too bad. Uh, David Montgomery does play well for Iowa State, but he's, I mean, again, he's one of the best in the whole country. Whatever. David Montgomery's going to play well against you. That's all right. Offensively, TCU just doesn't show very much at all. Averages 2.5 yards per rush. Sean Robinson, a pair of turnovers. Through the last three games, he has eight total turnovers. that That's really terrible just really really terrible Uh, i i don't know how you can win football games like that and granted tcu's managed to pull off this one but the last two weeks they weren't as lucky and and against better opponents not not to to discredit iowa state iowa state's a very good opponent and becoming a better opponent but there are tougher teams left on tcu's schedule and if they're going to keep turning the ball over every which way I don't know what to expect. Uh, well, what's the ceiling for TCU if they if they keep doing that? One more team that looked kind of unimpressive, Texas A&M, playing against lowly Arkansas. And, and Texas A&M, first play of the game, kick return for a touchdown, 7-0 lead. They score another touchdown in the first quarter, take a 14-0 lead over Arkansas. And Arkansas is terrible this year, just absolutely awful. Uh, they <laughs> probably won't win a game in the SEC this season. They're... They have to be, I'd imagine, the worst team in the SEC. I guess the only other one that would maybe come into the question would be if Tennessee's worse, but I, th- I think that Arkansas is probably worse than Tennessee because Arkansas loses on the road to Colorado State, loses to UNT, loses at Auburn, loses to Texas A&M. They have one win on the year, and it was against Eastern Illinois, and they didn't exactly look all that impressive in that game either. So things are off to a slow start for Chad Morris, but Texas A&M lets Arkansas hang around... Arkansas scores seven points in the second, three points in the third, a late touchdown in the fourth. It's 17-17 at one point. No, excuse me. It's 24-10. Arkansas scores a late touchdown to make it 24-17, gets the ball back. Luckily, Texas A&M is able to take care of business and finish the game. But, again, Arkansas is one of the worst teams in the SEC, if not the worst team in the SEC. They're They're a very bad Power 5 team. They're not going to win a whole lot of games this year, but they're able to get some things going against Texas A&M. Again, after that, after that opening kickoff return, it's a what, seventeen seventeen ball game. That that opening hundred yard kickoff return by Deshaun Corbin ended up being the difference in this ball game, and I don't think anybody expected that going in. Granted, it's much better to play a poor game and win a conference game than it is to play a poor game, learn some stuff, but have to lose the football game too. The hope is that A&M can learn a little bit from this because it because we've seen them play at such a high level before, obviously. P- playing against Clemson, they play well. Even on the road against Alabama, they look all right. In games against Northwestern State and ULM, Texas A&M plays pretty dang well. So now you're going against a team that maybe can match up with you talent-wise, but not necessarily scheme and skill-wise. Uh, and this is what you, you re- reel out? I, I don't know what to really take away from this football game. And now next week you have number 17, Kentucky at home. And Kentucky is rolling right now. Kentucky looks like one of the best teams in the SEC right now. They pick up another one to move to 5-0. and They've got wins over South Carolina, Mississippi State, Florida... This Kentucky team is rolling, and they're heading into Kyle Fields. And I'll tell you what, the excitement over Texas A&M is sure going to go away quickly if Kentucky's able to come in and, t- and beat Texas A&M on their home field. That's going to all of a sudden make things look a lot more dire if, if, Texas, te- if Texas A&M excuse me, is down to 3-3 three three on the season. So Texas A&M has a chance to grow from this performance against Arkansas. 24-17 is the final it got a lot closer than it really should have been. Texas a m was the better football team, but they have to play like it for four quarters. They really have to get used to playing like it for four quarters, and that's something that they haven't done consistently enough. Now, moving on, uh, just to touch on it, Rice loses 56-24 to on the road at Wake Forest. The line was 26. I thought that maybe they could keep it around. My, my thought process was that Well, Rice is probably going to score 20-something points. I don't know whether Wake Forest... They're a potent offense. Probably one of the most underrated offenses in all of college football. I didn't know whether Wake Forest was going to really push it into the 50s, so I thought maybe Rice could cover. They do push it in the 50s. All credit to them. Um, The game went pretty much as we expected. So 56-24 the final. UTEP has its first lead of the season early in the game against UTSA on Saturday. They take a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. It's not enough, though. Unfortunately, they lose 30-21, to but I'll tell you what, this is a bad beat. (laughs) I'm not a sports gambler, but if you are, first of all, why are you you, uh, betting on UTSA versus UTEP? Please get some help if that's the case, if you're not a a fan of one of these teams, of course. But UTSA, 10-point favorites, they end up winning by 9 points. Uh, I had picked UTSA to cover in this one. Uh, Well, you know, good for UTEP finally picking up a cover you know what they say good teams win great teams cover and UTEP we finally got a cover yeah I I don't think that's what that means but (laughs) but UTEP Kyloxley looks pretty impressive 117 yards and a touchdown and an interception through the air 106 yards and a touchdown on the ground his dual threat ability is much needed for UTEP but again the losing streaks at 17 games doesn't look to be ending anytime soon UTSA doesn't look all that great in it, but Cordell Grundy, 187 yards, two touchdowns, 49 uh, nine carries, 44 yards, a touchdown. He, he looks a little better. I mean, Grundy had looked very, very, very unimpressive early in the season, so he he looks better. But both these teams still just not very good. And now we're finishing up with SMU playing against Houston Baptist. we don't we don't pick games against FCS opponents between FBS and FCS opponents. I don't give myself credit for picking those right, but it was interesting to see. The one takeaway from this game is that uh, William Brown was the primary quarterback in this game. Ben Hicks did get into the game. He threw 12 passes. William Brown throws 20 passes. Those are 309 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. 200-yard receivers on the day, Reggie Roberson, Tyler Page. It's good to see that Reggie Roberson is healthy after going out with an apparent injury. in the the win over Navy a week ago. So SMU, they get everybody into the game, as you can imagine. Xavier Jones gets a couple of carries. That's, again, also encouraging, just because he's been dealing with injuries. Uh, Brown does appear to be the quarterback heading forward, but we'll have to see what exactly SMU chooses to do next week, whether they stick with the true freshman Brown, because they've got a tough test. They go on the road to UCF, the defending national champions, if you ask. Some people. So William Brown, going to face his toughest test of the season so far, but he's done a pretty good job of avoiding mistakes, and I think that's what uh, what Sonny Dykes wants from him. And hey, at the end of the day, William Brown is 2-0 and as a starting quarterback. Can't beat that. Anyway, with those eight games on the schedule, not counting SME versus Houston Baptist, because there's no line, so we didn't pick it, uh, I went 4-4 four and four on the week, picked Texas a and not to cover correctly. Baylor, not to cover correctly. TCU, not to cover correctly. And Texas Tech, not to cover correctly. Huh. I guess I kind of picked against a lot of teams this week. <laughs> but it was a weird week of college football. I mean, anything can happen. It's week five. We're into the conference slate. Anything can happen. <laughs> um, and there were actually, again, there were a couple of really weird beats on this schedule. <laughs> like we mentioned, that UTSA game, that's a nine-point victory. The line was 10 Texas Tech, they are plus three and a half, they end up losing by seven, Baylor was in it back and forth, over and over again, because they score a touchdown to make it 23, then Oklahoma scores a touchdown to make it 30, then Baylor scores another touchdown to make it 23, so we were right on the edge there of maybe Baylor covering, they don't do it. Um, Texas can't quite cover against Kansas State, I thought that they'd just cover that nine point spread, Uh, same deal with Rice, I thought that Wake Forest wouldn't quite score enough, so... And look, UNT, I just got wrong. UNT, I just got completely wrong. (laughs) Things happen. UNT is going to be fine. But it was disappointing to see that performance on Saturday. And and also, it was disappointing to not really see very much of that performance because it was on the BN network, which is something that I had absolutely no access to. So hopefully they'll get them back on TV soon enough uh, so that I'm able to watch those football games. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd like to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. And actually, a quick shout out. Uh, I was actually a little bit nervous about driving round trip to Lubbock, right? Lubbock is a really great city. I've gotten to hit some of the some restaurants, uh, hit a tavern the other day. It's it's a really cool city, nice college town, but also there's more to it than just that. But the one thing I was worried about was driving to Lubbock round trip, because Dallas. In Lubbock, there's just not a whole lot in between those two things, right? And I took 114 out there because they told me to take the scenic route. It was beautiful. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. But I was just terrified, right? Because if your car breaks down on the way to Lubbock, that's that's it for you. You're done. You're dead. You you just disappear into the earth. So I was like, oh, man. I, I was talking to my producer. I'm like, oh, I, I'm just a little worried that my car is going to break down. I know nothing's wrong with it. I know it's in great condition. But I'm just terrified that something's going to happen to it. And our producer goes to me, he's like, Sean, you drive a Honda, you drive a Honda Accord. That car is going to keep running until it hits 300,000 miles. And it's going to keep running after that. (laughs) And I can tell you, he's absolutely right. Honda Accord, fantastic vehicle. I bought mine from North Texas Honda dealers. They're a fantastic partner to us. I've been to a lot of Honda dealers in my day. And North Texas Honda dealers is easily, easily at the top of the list. They're fantastic partners for us. We always appreciate them for supporting us, so go to North Texas Honda dealers, buy yourself a Honda Accord, fantastic vehicle, absolutely love mine, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I'm looking forward to driving back this afternoon and still having no car issues. Gotta gotta knock on some wood. <laughs> anyway, if you enjoy the show, please let us know. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast vendor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, all, uh, all of them, just all of the above. Uh, subscribe to us on there. Give us a five-star review on that particular vendor. You can follow me on Twitter at Shahan Raja. Find all of my work at TexasFootball.com. Follow us on Twitter at Football. Like us on Facebook, etc., etc., etc. We appreciate you guys for stopping by. Week five, ugh, things are getting crazy. We're learning a whole lot about these teams, and we'll be back on Wednesday to preview the next week's upcoming games. And it's it's a doozy. It's a doozy. We've got Red River Rivalry, or I guess it's the Red River Showdown. I cannot keep up with that. That's, I know that I'm not alone in that. <laughs> SMU goes to UCF. That's a great game. Texas A&M hosts Kentucky. Who would have thought that that would be a great game? We might even have to talk a little bit of A&M Commerce versus Midwestern State. It's going to be a great weekend. We can't wait to, uh, to have you back on next Wednesday. And, folks, we will talk to you very soon.